0: Let's uh, let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for our country that we have in which we are all literate to a degree. We have your scriptures in our language. We have our freedoms where we can gather together to discuss it and think on these things. We are grateful for all this. Give us the grace to use it as a blessing. In your son's name, amen. Well, as it says at the top of the sheet, we're in Psalm 50. Psalm 50 is one of the psalms of Asaph, not of David. But it's sort of a prophetic psalm, not like messianically prophetic, but kind of like uh, how a prophet would speak in the first person for God. Asaph does that after his initial introduction. He steps into God's voice and tells us things that God wants us to hear. And it's one of those situations where all too often when you have prophetic voices being said, Um, that's how you describe somebody who is being negative about the church. Well, he had a prophetic ministry. Now there's some negative things in this psalm, but it's addressed to the good people, to the faithful. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes, he does not keep silence, before him is a devouring fire, round about him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. That's the intro. A great declaration of the God of gods. God over all the earth, rising in the sun to the setting. The nature, a terrifying, devouring fire, a tempest. He has called us together. He wants us to gather as his faithful ones, those who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. People of the right correct religious camp. And he starts out with verse 7 through the end of the psalm, speaking in the first person for God. And it's, it's got an unusual twist, right? A couple verses in. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you I am God, your God. Now you say, I thought you said it wasn't going to say negative things. But the negative thing said is a hard one to sort out. Because um, he says, I do not reprove you for your sacrifices. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I do not reprove, you know, usually, you know, whence comes this endless trampling of my courts? Do I desire mercy and not sacrifice? He I'm not going to reprove you for your sacrifice. This is the faithful ones. People that are doing the religion of Moses the way they're supposed to, with the right heart. Okay? Not some pretentious uh, religious type, Pharisee type, fake type, real types. And yet there's a testimony from God against them but not for their religion. Religion, and you've been in these discussions. Uh, oh, we go to church. We go to church for so the traditional and authentic a church as you can come up with. I don't know, those swinging doors in the back are a bit modern. It's the road to Rome. A bit, a bit, a bit liberal. We don't have any stained glass, but that's, you know, there's, a, there's an amazing degree of American country church. Well, it would be great if it was in the country with a little graveyard next to it, like the Freeze Church got. But we have indoor bathrooms. We're churchgoers. We think, you know, honestly, you, you ended up here at All Souls, maybe because of, well, it's the best I can find. it's not that great. Or maybe you agree with it, or you like the tone, the tone of of it, or it's not really religious. But all of us have a degree of religion, a degree of background, a degree of idea of what we think of when we think of our religious observances. I don't know what those are in each of you. I don't know how you feel about sitting in a pew. I don't know how you feel about taking communion in the rare moments when we do. But there's something here that the end result, as acceptable as this is, this is so generic, the church is white. Not just ethnically, but it's a white building. It says, remember the old uh, generic brand products? they would be a white label with the words beer across it. Everything was generic. Um, paper towel. Just a white label. That's what this is. You could put church on the outside. And it could be right down the middle of what a Protestant believing church could be, where someone who is a Lutheran could walk in and go, I don't know, I feel okay here, I don't know what they believe, but everything seems okay. A Baptist could do the same. Not quite sure where this is coming from. And I think the Lord could say to us, I do not reprove you for your church services. I think all souls does it just fine. Our our burnt offerings are continually before him. But then his correction to the faithful. This is where I want you to, it's sort of a reminder, I think that's what I'm I'm looking at, is this sermon is a reminder. I will accept, verse 9, I will accept no bull from your house nor he-goat from your folds. Hold it. I don't reprove you for your sacrifices. What's he mean? I will not accept a bull or a he-goat. Oh, it's in red, the next verse. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. He's not accepting the bull gift from you, the sacrifice from you, as if something was going from you to him that he didn't already own. It's like when Father's Day rolls around and Mother gives little Johnny five bucks to buy something for Dad. He's not getting anything for Dad. Mom is getting something for Dad. Dad is getting something for Dad. Let's pretend. Let's pretend. But sometimes, after a certain month, you know, kids start to you know, earn some money on the side. And they actually, when Mother's Day rolls around, they, they go out with their money and buy a gift for mom. But in, which, which, which is a nice shift. But the shift in religion is an erroneous one. You can't find a place to stand that isn't the Lord's. I know all the birds of the air and all that moves in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and all that in it is mine. When we, when we get religion, O oh faithful ones, I'm going I'm to pretend that all souls, since it's our church, and I'm going to be, you know, biased towards it. That we're, we, we do things the most right that could be done. Very anabaptistic, very uh, casual about the church. We could be right, we could be wrong, but let's pretend for the moment we're right. Underneath that rightness can be a wrong appraisal of the world we begin to think we are accomplishing something. When I bring the choice hindquarters of the ox to the Lord, and the priest takes it and, and grills it on the on the altar, and the smoke of it goes up into the heavens, and certain, the blood is sprinkled on everything, I begin to think that I am... Transferring, I call it a sacrifice, right? I take the choice things of my flock and I sacrifice it to God. I begin to think I'm giving him something. Like little Johnny at three with the five bucks. It's okay to have that pretend. But no, it's pretend. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I already own the stuff you would give me. I don't need to have you feed me, because in ancient religions, before Christ, it was easily perceived that God, the gods, fed on the sacrifices. So this is not you bringing dinner to the gods. There was that famous, uh, in the Apocrypha, uh, one of the apocryphal additions to Daniel was one called Bell and the Dragon. And in it, they were having to bring all sorts of foodstuffs to the uh, altar of uh, Temple of Baal. And young Daniel was uh, believed it was a false god and so he was going to trick them. He went in there and sprinkled, and every morning all the food was gone. They'd take the food into the temple. Every morning the food was gone. And so he went in there and he sprinkled dust all over the floor after they had uh, laid this great feast for the god Bell, and uh, they came the next morning, and well, lo and behold, very human footprints all the way through all the dust, taking away all the food. The priesthood was eating it. People naturally believe that. You offer these food sacrifices, grain offerings, cereal offerings, um, uh, food, very the best portions of your and it was food, it wasn't, they were always killed and cooked, that was convenient. At least the Jews knew that the priesthood, the Levite, was getting his food from the service of the altar. But God does not want us to have this artificial notion about our religious behavior. Know that your religious behavior can be right at the same time it's going to decorate your view of what's happening. You've got to be sure that your view of what's happening, really, that you finally realize, I'm not really buying something for my dad. He's buying something for himself and letting me enjoy it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls? Or drink the blood of goats? He says, Am- am I that sort of deity? If I were, and I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I'm not even that kind of God. Now, our temptations, even in the most right and faithful, God-ordained, written out like a book of church order, is the Jewish law for the temple observances and the various uh, sacrifices that you, you could put together a pretty accurate effort? And they were. He's talking to the faithful ones who made covenant with me by sacrifice. I got this, this beef against you, he says, and it's not about the sacrifices you're offering, it's what you think under the surface. How do you measure this world? Because as soon as I measure it correctly, what's the basic measure distinction? That you say, don't think I need this stuff. If you think I need this stuff, that you're providing me in your religious efforts something that I did not have before, you're an error. I own it all. I already have all this stuff. What do you get to God who has everything? you know all of us who are fathers have faced that question what should the kids get you for Father's Day how many ties do you want how many Because can, they can't afford the motorcycle what do you get the, and, and by the time you're a dad you kind of got all the tools and all the stuff you want and, and you don't want anybody uninformed buying you a book look I got a book They think that if it has pages, it's remarkable. What do you get to God who has everything? What do you think you would, what do you you get to God who has everything? Could he just say, I have everything. Quit giving me stuff like I needed it. Paul in Acts 17 here on the left hand side the same thing. So Paul, standing in the middle of the Areopagus said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by man. He just pointed to the shrine of the unknown God erected by Epimenides and said, I'm going to accurately tell you about this God that you've got correctly and wrongly at the same time. He does not dwell in shrines made by man nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all men life and breath and everything. And then he quotes epimenides and Aratus. for in him we live and move or have our being what's the difference what do you get to God who has everything our general bringing whatever you think we're bringing to him is really layers down in our response because when Paul says he doesn't need human hands to serve him he says, because God is serving his creation. Since he himself gives to all men life, breath, and everything. So, and Brother what do I bring to God? He said, well, first you've got to really understand that you can't bring anything to God. Because he's got everything. He owns your rear end. He owns all aspects. He learned, owns the molecules on which you stand. So what are you giving? It's more like he's spending, oh my God, I stop and think, he is spending his time thinking what he's giving us. This is a God of grace. Gift. Good. Mercy. Kindness. Stuff. The very ability to have things. Oh, what's this called? Opposable Thumbs big deal, right? When you try to pick stuff up. God thought of that, gave it to you. You see the primates in the primate house at the zoo, they're not doing a whole lot. They don't have opposable thumbs. God has given us life, breath, and everything. So what's going to happen? Do I eat the flesh of bulls, that drink the blood of goats? Do I need this from you? Do I need this endless trampling of my courts? You're doing it obediently, but Do I need this? Keep your thoughts clear, because then he says, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Because your sacrifice is obediently given. Say if we had the most obedient church service you could possibly think of, doing the right thing, no more than two or three gifts of tongues and prophecies, whatever the rules are. Doing it all obediently. Part of what it reflects, our religion always will reflect what we think is true. The temptations that come to us in our religion will come to us for what we think is true, how we define our universe. And if I first define it as, he doesn't need this from me. I was in a discussion recently with, there's, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, when it says, what is the chief end of man? Uh, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Which is a good answer. I I think that's nice. I I wonder sometimes. Really, that's what the world is about? God's about giving us stuff. Religion tends to want to trot something out for God. I think there's things that we, we bring before the Lord that He really appreciates. He appreciates our thanksgiving he appreciates our recognition that his greatest purpose is to do good to you. To give you a good world to live in. He gave us a good world, we ruined it. He then died for us, and so we ruined that. You know, we just Finally, we're pulling our stuff together and trying to live faithfully to him. He wants us to see him as the giving God. For in, he gives to all men life, breath, and everything. A sacrifice of thanksgiving. Instead of trotting in with your bull or your goat, trot in with thanks. It's the one thing you can give to a person who doesn't want anything in return for their gift. If you give someone something back, hey, you, you gave me this great sweatshirt, so I went out and bought you this great uh, other sweatshirt. So here. So now it's even. Oh. We could be led astray by the things we try to give back. Rather than having our sacrifices, our worship, our giving, you might say, uh, rec- reactive to what we believe in a good sense, instead of it being the first thing we're doing religiously, we bring religion to God to offer to please Him. When you recognize that which pleases Him and recognize Him, then I may get together, I get together with the other saints because I love the other saints. I get together and sing praises because I'm thankful, not because we sing praises to make a good impression on God. Because we know that it says in the Bible, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, I sing because I want to. Now, one of the things that I've uh, been a pastor for a lot of years and I and, have... Um, I don't know how many years, a lot. Long enough to be able to, to be issued the white jacket. I don't know when this happens. The white jacket is bestowed upon you. Um, there are a lot of deceptions out there because we, in the, in the true, and there's a body of believing churches here in town that are the true, that, that, are, that are good, that are serving Jesus Christ. In that We're constantly discovering good and true things and preaching on it. He wants the sacrifice of thanksgiving. So what happens? What happens to Christians? We develop a theology of thanksgiving. A famous book comes out by a notable author on thanksgiving and the benefits of it. The pastor, that'd be me, because I like thanksgiving, preach another sermon on thanksgiving. Pointing out how Thanksgiving is so good. Isn't it good? Let's all recognize how good Thanksgiving is. I was sitting in the library this morning with my cup of coffee. Going through this passage. And uh, about to close my Bible as I came to the conclusion with what is Psalm 50 talking about? Why now I knew. And I'm big on Thanksgiving. And we're a church that has spoken of Thanksgiving before. And if anybody published us, we'd have written that book on Thanksgiving. Or developed the theology of Thanksgiving. We can hide Thanksgiving under a cloud of Thanksgiving. I sat there in my chair as the clock ticked on, because I knew for every moment I sat in that chair, I wouldn't be at my computer in the basement typing this up and it's always down to the wire. Hit print, look at my watch, Have I brushed my teeth yet, I gotta run brush my teeth while it's printing out, come back down to the basement, grab 61 copies, oh, take one out for the records, and it goes into a notebook. And I take 60 to church. I sat there in the chair uh, in the library, having concluded that I was going to say something about Thanksgiving. Looking out the windows, past the porch, and I looked out the north window. And everything is God's. There has to be an actual sacrifice of thanksgiving. You have to give thanks. We don't just call a day thanksgiving and presume that everybody's thankful for the turkey. We don't just mumble through a grace and a prayer at the beginning of that meal. Once you sit there and start ticking off all that you have to be thankful for, and not just the big thing, I'm thankful that my family is a Christian family, or I'm thankful that I'm not in a starving country, or you could work down from there. You start looking at color. You should lie in your bed at night and think about the centuries of humanity that didn't live like a king. Like you're living. Complaining, probably, because the tempur is just so sweaty. Right? Oh, this is just not good enough. I know I'm better off than any, you know, Byzantine emperor in his straw-filled uh, mattress. I'm floating on some high-tech Uh, inconvenient body temperature issues you gotta do the thanksgiving don't let us talk about it matter of fact it would be better for you to ignore the rest of the message and start thanking God for small things like depth of field perception depth of field perception struck me this morning We offer our God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. If, you do, if this precedes your religion, you have seen God, you have seen that God is in the world to give. What does God see as the chief end of man? Not do we in our piety want to write up as the chief end of man, because we're going to prove to him what devoted worshippers we are, our God is proving what a devoted God he is to us and our response ought to be not necessarily coming up with a different answer to the what is the chief end of man, but to thank him for all the good he did to you. If you begin there and pay your vows and do what you're supposed to do, because these people were already, to said, i, got, I got no fault with your sacrifices. You are continually offering the burnt offering. You are doing what you should. You're paying your vows if you thank me first and pay your vows. You've got the right notion of religion. You will be protected from falling into the errors of truth. And you know you've met people who live in the error of truth. Even Jesus pointed it out about the Pharisees. He says, do what they say, not what they do. Man, these guys are they're right on. They figured out a lot of stuff. Don't listen to them. They're blind guys. They got them all right. They're blind. If you do this, and you call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. That's Almost a summation of how you should walk into your religion. Recognize how immense your God is. What he has done to give all men all things. How he owns it all anyway. And all of the little tricks of priestcraft or religious observances. Or, or right, whether it's low church or high church. Just thank him and let your religion that you function in be the heart of the thankful. We know that this is the thing that the scriptures continually speak. I'm in mean, Romans 1. I have it Romans Romans 1.21. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. It's the beginning of of bending your knee. If you haven't bent your knee, good luck with this religion thing. If you haven't recognized you're walking through a, a welter of good gifts from God and you won't turn up and go, Thank you for that, Lord. Because when we don't see the welter of good gifts surrounding us, from depth of field perception to comfortable beds to life, breath, and everything, What do we do with our time? Complain. Because someone didn't treat you right at work. i got nothing in my life except someone didn't treat me right at work. I have a cold. I I did last week. Had a cold. If I was not walking through a world that is downright a miracle every moment you are awake... If I don't think that, I have a cold is the one piece of information that now guides how I treat the world. I complain. I grumble. I get snippy with people. I trust I don't. What are we going to do? We don't thank God. We don't walk through this world thankful. It won't inform our religion that as we pay our vows to God in whatever religious form you take, that it really decorates a thankful heart. That really decorates what God is in this world. You're not feeding him. You're not giving him anything he needs. He doesn't need your money. Feel free to give boxes in the back. That's not, that's not the right I know other pastors would go for something like that as an opportunity. But please we can use the money. To pay for these changes. But he doesn't need the money. God doesn't need the money. The church needs the money. God already owns all the money and all your stuff. Verse 16. But to the wicked... because he started, he started this with the faithful, right? I want to talk to the people who are out there doing the right thing, the right way, but who lost track of what they should be thinking about who your God is. He is the giving God. But to the wicked, God says... What right have you to recite my statutes? Or take my covenant on your lips? What do you, you think you're allowed to talk like you got some good people it's you know they can lose track of what motivated them. They can lose track of what their religious observance is decorating. But we know it's not decorated, it's just lies from you. It's like a, a humanist who wants to claim thing X is good and you may not do it because do, do against it because it would be bad you say well what do you mean bad good what are you in charge of the universe or some faint, you know, friendly religious person who only accepts some of the imperatives of God and tries to lean on you well, what are they doing they're, they're the wicked they can't recite his statutes now what's wrong with the wicked it goes on from 17 and following for you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you they don't do what they're told they talk about the statutes they don't want to be constrained they won't want to have God decide what's going on in their life it's a great image, they cast his words behind them the part you don't want back when we used to be able to litter I can remember that far back it was pretty good. It was a glorious time. If you were done with a cup in your car, you rolled down the window and you threw it. Now, it might be hard to imagine. It a beautiful time. And then you had prisoners from the jail pick everything up. You got to do what you wanted to do. They got to do what they had to do. None of this Earth Day nonsense. Casting, which meant when it was trash, when it was garbage. This is why I hate recycling. I know I maybe stepping on a lot of toes here. A gentleman should not be concerned about his garbage. It has become garbage. It should be behind me, out of my. You know, I should not. That's what the will of God was to these wicked people. They took the the desires of God and threw that behind them, like it was trash. If you see a thief, you're a friend of his. And you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free rein for evil. Your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done. And I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself. They hate discipline. They want to do what they want to do. They forget God. And it's just a pretense. What they're doing in their religion is just... whatever they need it, it's just a tool. It's just something they want to say to make them sound spiritual at a certain moment. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I rend and there be none to deliver. And look what he says to these people. He said, be thankful to the righteous. Guard yourself from thinking you're providing anything to God. You are living in a world in which things are provided to you from God. Your response is thanksgiving. And you understand, you seek this God who has done such wonders for you. If you're wicked, the answer is strangely the same. Mark this, he says in verse 22. Verse 23, he who brings thanksgiving as his sacrifice honors me. To him who orders his way aright, I will show the salvation of God. If I seek God, you say, well, I- that's what, that's what produces all this because these wicked, they live in the world God provided just as much as the next guy you have to say I'm going to be seeking this no, the, the wicked are not going to listen otherwise but what you find you'll give thanks for What you are thankful for will amend your lifestyle. You will start to change how you worship. You will start to order your way aright because you'll start to recognize what God has given and what God wants in what God has given. And when God is sought and thanked and mends your life, He brings. Shows you the salvation of God. This is what God does. He brings, he straightens out that which was crooked. And it's through this path of thanksgiving, the recognition of a God who blessed you, the seeking of a God who blessed you. It is something that should guide all of our Christian lives. We already looked at that Romans. He's quoted a passage that it protects your mind. Those who did not honor him or give him thanks, he gave up to the futility of their mind. 1 Timothy 4 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by giving heed to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons through the pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared. My father always liked to stop there and go, What kind of advice are these false teachers going to give you? I mean, they're demonic. It's going to be drunkenness and chasing loose women. No. Who forbid marriage and enjoin abstinence from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Oh. Religious people. I was just reading a couple days ago, I was reading in the New Testament Apocrypha some of the books that sort of Cluttered the landscape in the first few centuries of Christianity, and boy, oh boy, they—you know—we see false teachers today. They—they got nothing on those first couple centuries. These guys were wrong and in writing fake scriptures. I mean, none of the false teachers are going to be writing fake scriptures, but today, the boy back then—they were. This is the gospel of this, and most of it was, you should never get married, chastity. Chastity was everything. It says here it's the doctrine of demons who forbid marriage and enjoy an abstinence from food. Boy, man, those are just those are the most standard places where people can show they sacrifice God gave those. Oh, he says that here in the passage. Verse four, for everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for then it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Your Christian life is one of recognition of God being good to you with all of these natural gifts that you're supposed to find the way to take the pleasure God's way. It puts them in their proper perspective, which is embracing them and if I'm doing it in thanksgiving to God, I'm not going to, and I'm going to take this the way I want it. No. We take discipline. The wicked will not be disciplined. But you take them in the correct, correct perspective, just like you're going to thank God for it, you're not going to flip him the middle finger about it being in this world. Philippians 4.4 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving. So, in pleasure, all the pleasures of this life receive it with thanksgiving. All of the anxieties of this life, the pains of this life, receive it with thanksgiving. It takes the correct perspective on everything. It's how I stand in everything. And if I stand in this, rejoicing in the good and petitioning God about the negative, but thanking God all along the way, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's that salvation. You have the right, healthy response to it all. We're at that stage where family members of the small churches just lost their Uh, his dad, Tim his dad just died Um, we're all at that stage where parents pass at that stage where our own bodies begin to ail at least for us older older people begin to realize all the stuff that's wrong with the cosmos we need to be trained to believe and know and recognize all the good that God has done for us your very being, your very breath and everything Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. You have given us more than we can take in. We see it, we enjoy it, we react to it. We don't stop and offer the sacrifice of thanking you. Write us so that our worship would be good. Whatever form it takes, Lord, that it would decorate thankful hearts.